0: How is it, what's the evidence behind it? How does it perform? What's the value?
1: And we said, okay, for these employees, they can, if you could help them figure out what the best credentials or what the best training is, we'll pay.
2: This is In the Know with ACCT, the voice of community college leaders. I'm Jacob Bray. This episode of In the Know with ACCT was recorded at our annual Congress in New York at the membership celebration lunch sponsored by Phi Theta Kappa. The panel features Alan Golston, President of the United States Program at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Deanna Mulligan, President and CEO of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, and ACCT President and CEO Noah Brown moderating.
3: So I think uh, a good place to start our conversation this afternoon is a question from one of our student trustees uh, named Mohammed from Bunker Hill Community College in Boston, Massachusetts. Apparently, his entire family is here in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to know, uh, what does it take to become a good leader? And what does it take to remain a strong leader as years go by? Now, you're both leaders. What do you, what do you think you might share on that question?
1: Well, Muhammad, that's a very uh, good question, a very appropriate one for you to be asking at this stage in your life. I'm, I'm glad you're asking it you know leadership is is really at its heart about service to others and so i think as a leader you always have to remember that you want to treat others as you would be treated and you don't ever want to ask anyone whom you are leading to do anything you yourself wouldn't do and i think integrity and authenticity are very important in leaders followers want integrity and authenticity in their leader and Those two qualities are sometimes overlooked in our society. So that would be my beginning recommendation to Muhammad. And I also just want to say, you know, keep up the good work. Keep up the deep thought.
0: Great. Alan? I'll I'll build on that. I want to first uh, just say and acknowledge what a privilege it is for me and uh, kind of the foundation to be part of this. Um, We've been working in the post-secondary space for a bit over a decade now. And that work was inspired and informed uh, on with partners in community colleges. And we've learned a lot from community colleges. And it's such a part of our work. So I just want to thank you. Many of our partners are in the room. You've been consequential to our work. And I just want to acknowledge that and, and thank you. I also do want to echo uh, the thanks to Mohammed for his question. I think it's an important thing to do regularly is to reflect on what leadership means and I won't repeat what uh, my colleague Deanna said, but just build on it. Um, I think you also need to be able to set a vision and set goals and set priorities that are aligned to those goals real clearly and crisply. You need to be able to inspire others to follow that vision, to be able to communicate it well, and to get others on board, because followership is an important part of leadership. And then I think you need to be able to be self-reflective in a continuous way. I think you need to be able to use data, to use evidence and other inputs to question your own leadership, but also to question your own vision and your own priorities, and be willing to look at things in a stilly-eyed way and say, this is working, but this is not, and be willing to make the changes and adapt. Um, Great question, and uh, I I appreciate him uh, asking.
3: Well, just uh, expanding on that a bit, now I know both of your organizations are involved in work with community colleges and we so appreciate that and, and respect and admire the work that you're doing. Um, think about what, what could you tell our folks about how you think community colleges could do uh, a better job in, sh- in, in ensuring support for students like Muhammad who are already thinking about their leadership and for others who may not have yet realized their own potential. So I'll just start then. I, you know, community colleges
0: are such a vibrant part of America. And uh, many millions of students show up at community college doors every year uh, with this aspiration of hope and contribution and uh, to be able to fulfill their potential and to have economic mobility and dignity and connections to their community. And I think we all know that there's a big opportunity there relative to where we are to what we need to do to meet that aspiration. Um, You know, a third of the community college students that show up at our doors across the country, you know, drop out in their first year. So there's an opportunity there. Um, From what I see and we see in our work is that uh, the need to be relentlessly student focused, and it isn't just the words, it's are you radically student focused and are you willing to question everything to make that transformation to be truly student focused and meet the needs of the community is um, I think really, really essential. And seeing um, institutions do that and be willing to say, look, this is gonna be hard, but we're gonna take this journey and and do the the hard work and the heavy lifting, um, I think is really, really uh, consequential. And that's what we see, differentiate success versus not success.
3: Yeah, I I like what you said, (laughs) Alan, I'm stealing it. Radically focused. Okay, so let's all take the pledge. We're gonna be radically focused on student success. Deanna?
1: I would echo, uh, Noah, what Alan just said. And I would also say that community colleges can partner with businesses in their area to find opportunities for students to not only work but to intern and to seek mentorship from the business executives and workers in their area. Um, We operate, uh, as Guardian Life Insurance Company, we have uh, partnerships with the community colleges in all the areas where we have major office presence around the United States. And our employees truly feel it's a privilege to work with, mentor these students. We take some of them on as interns, and we also support uh, financial planning classes at these colleges. And we've taken great inspiration from the students we've met. And we've, you know, been very uh, privileged to work with community college leaders I think at times there's you know the initial putting together the initial relationship at times can be a little fraught between business and community college leaders to be quite honest and I you know I think there's there's good reason for that but in the cases where we've managed um, to make a real partnership and to prove that we are there to do good we've we've reaped enormous rewards from knowing and working with the students and the faculty. And so I would just encourage the leaders in this room of community colleges to to really give some thought, if you haven't already, to partnering with businesses in your local area.
3: Well, that's the theme of this entire Congress, is partnerships. And you'll be hearing more and more about this uh, in our sessions that remain. And uh, it's it's a tremendous opportunity. Institutions are Mm resource-starved, so they need to find new partners and new ways of thinking and new business models. Uh, Deanna, we're hearing a lot, more and more, uh, from companies that are experiencing a lack of skilled employees uh, with no uh, talent pipeline. You know, we read about this all the time. I know employers express frustration. Uh, What unmet skills stand out at Guardian And how could you suggest community colleges might better partner with you and others to address the skills gap?
1: Well, you know, we all know, right, that unemployment hovers around 4% in the country right now. So finding talented workers is a challenge for every company, not just for Guardian. And the current unemployment rate and the current skills gap provides an enormous opportunity for community colleges because community colleges are really the ones who can help students be the ones to take advantage of that gap. And as you all know that middle-skill jobs, so jobs requiring somewhere between uh, high school education and a college degree make up most of the jobs that are going unfilled right now. So credential programs, associates degree programs, the kinds of things community colleges do really well are going to help provide the skills that companies like Guardian need. So I think one thing community colleges can do to help companies like us is to stay close to what our needs are. And we have hired a number of students from community colleges to do things like programming, administrative systems for us, fulfilling claims. We have lots of opportunities for students, not just students who have finished their degrees or their credential programs, but students who come to us as interns. But I think there's always a need for students who come out of these programs who really can partake in teamwork, who can communicate, and who are sort of goal-oriented and know how to organize themselves and uh, help organize their colleagues, and that's going to be true, no matter what profession they're striving to be in.
3: Well, I'd like to build on that just a little bit. Um, what advice could you give uh, our leadership in terms of finding out what you and other major companies, employers, are really looking for in skills? How do we Mm-hmm. go to Guardian and say what exactly do you need so that we could ramp up programs to meet those needs?
1: Well, there, there are several national organizations. I would recommend the Business Higher Education Foundation, and I know some of you mm-hmm. are members of that because BHEF exists to, uh, to facilitate this dialogue between business leaders, and college and university leaders, and they're working more and more with community colleges. The Business Roundtable has an initiative to um, basically map all the credentials that are out there in the United States, and 50 CEOs have signed on to this, CEOs of very large companies have signed on to this program to to support credentialing, and to say that they will hire students coming out of these credentialing programs. So those are two resources you could go to as a community college leader to find out what businesses are thinking and looking for. But I also just wouldn't be shy to call up the major employer in your area. Call the CEO's office if the CEO isn't in his or her staff. I have my staff here. We'll direct you to the right person in the company. And most big companies do have people who are in charge of workforce education, and of recruiting and say, how can we partner? And I can't imagine that a, a business hearing from one of you in the audience wouldn't be interested in sitting down and having a conversation.
0: And a good example of that is uh, one of our partners in Clare Community College in Dayton, Ohio. Um, and the situation there is that two of the fastest growing industries are in drone manufacturing and healthcare. And there was a big kind of skills labor gap in that particular community in that region and it was exactly what you said. The business leaders called up Sinclair and they said, we need more skilled workforce in these two areas and they worked together to create programs both in aerial systems and I believe in nursing to be able to meet the needs of that local community. So it's a great example too of where you can work at the national level and get that information but you can also just have uh, an important just a dialogue and exchange about the the local needs and
2: then take it from there. Hey, I just wanna take a second to remind everyone that ACCT's GLI is happening March 11th through 13th, 2019 at Portland Community College in Oregon. This is an opportunity for boards and presidents to learn about key legal, regulatory, and policy issues associated with safeguarding college campuses with respect to natural disasters, violence on campus, and more. For more information, go to www.acctgli.org to register. The deadline to receive discounted hotel rate is January 31st, 2019.
3: Uh, Alan, what do you think about changing models of higher education, such as increasing investments in apprenticeship programs, I just mentioned stackable credentials, as well as other new models? Well, I think your prior comment
0: about what's happening in business is going to be an important one. I mean, we're very supportive of innovation in this space, and we see a lot of innovation happening. And, I mean, I think a couple things, you know, the question about how is it what's the evidence behind it how does it perform what's the value is something that we're paying attention to but you're seeing models emerge i think the most important thing though uh, is we're seeing the business community respond in ways that you've pointed out to both in partnership with community colleges and not in partnership we are seeing uh, businesses create these credentials, they're exchanging within industry, Mm -hmm. the ideas of, hey, what are you doing? How do we make sure we're aligned as you've talked about? Um, We're seeing platforms emerge, which are like vouching and badging platforms so that an employee or a person that goes for these alternative credentials has a platform to state this is what I can do and this is how I've gotten trained. And so I think it, has an interesting potential to be pretty disruptive. Mm -hmm. Early days, of course, but I do think it's an important opportunity for community colleges to engage and say "Look, this is an opening for us to do something radically different and to experiment with it and to figure out alternative ways to partner with these emerging models.
1: And I would just add to Alan's comments about emerging models, I agree with that very much. Inside Guardian, for example, we use an organization um, called General Assembly that is not associated with a community college but comes in and helps us teach our workforce about digital skills and um, automation and all kinds of new emerging skills, and our employees love it. But there's no reason that a community college couldn't be filling that role. And, And probably for the good of their students, Should. Should, yeah. Exactly.
3: Okay, that was hint number one, folks. (laughs) Hope you were listening. Um, So, uh, Deanna, uh, how well do these educational models that we're just talking about, how well do you think they serve students who are seeking employment uh, as compared with sort of traditional degrees, the traditional entry way into the labor force?
1: Well, I think that we saw some tremendous models of students who excelled at community colleges and are also doing great things in their career. We just had a number just of them on stage. Yeah. And, and congratulations to all of yeah. you, by the way. Very impressive. We were listening from behind the curtain, and it was um, fascinating and, and inspirational, absolutely. And I think there are lots of models out there of community college students who go on to uh, great things. As a matter of fact, one of the things that we did as Guardian in our research is um, we're here and headquartered in New York City. We went to Chicago and we worked with some, Chicago has a a fairly well, I think, established business community college and four-year college kind of consortium relationship. We went and studied that. And, you know, we heard, um, I'll never forget there was one gentleman who came to speak to the group. He was from the UK, and as you all know, in the UK and in Europe, this is a very well-established model. And he was actually CEO of his rather large firm, and he had started out as an apprentice in this kind of a model in the UK. And he said, there's no reason the CEO of the company can't start as an apprentice in a community college model. And I, I agree with that. I think we should aspire to that. I don't think there's really any limit on the students who are in these programs in terms of the success that they can have commercially. Yeah,
3: that's good. Yeah, well, I can think of uh, one entrepreneur who took a different path in his parents' garage and started a revolution. Talk about disruptive innovation but we do believe in getting the degree, (laughs) so I just want to I I get that. You will say that. I get that. uh, I just want to make sure I echo uh, my boss on that. (laughs) I totally get that, and those of us who are not Bill Gates, go to college. Um, So everyone here uh, with us at Congress, uh, we're excited, has received a copy of the executive summary of a new report, Partnerships for a Future Ready Workforce, uh, a new publication uh, that we did in, con- in conjunction with Guardian and mm-hmm. Deanna, thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, Deanna, first, uh, again, thank you uh, for supporting that. Uh, I think it's critically important and uh, I hope people read it and use it. But What do you both think Guardian and other uh, partnering businesses might bring uh, to the table to help community colleges increase their ability to deliver experience and training to keep the workforce sustainable? I mean, you know, I've traveled abroad, I've had conversations, we have a partnership with our sister organization in the UK. We're all talking about the concept of a sustainable, innovative, effective, productive workforce. So, I think it goes back to,
0: what would you do if you were radically student focused? What would you do if you had use cases that said, every student that walks through our door, uh, instead of an optical course, we want them to have this experience of a clear glide path that has no friction. Like, maybe not little friction, but no friction. Like, what would you do? And we've talked about many of the things. You would have great partnerships with business. So you would be able to signal to those students, here's what the opportunity is, and here are pathways for you to get there, and we have made it as easy as possible. Um, You would have partnerships with the K through 12 system. An example of that is uh, Chattanooga State Community College, who has done some really amazing things in partnership with K-12 for senior year students to create math pathways that allow students to make great transitions into the community college system with just really impressive success. So you would have those types of partnerships. I think you'd also really say, all right, I wanna seek out the exemplars in the community college space, and I wanna partner with them, learn from them, network with them, and figure out how, if we're on this journey, but they're farther along, how we can learn and accelerate the cycle of innovation and transformation that's needed. So we see that happening, and I think that's best practice uh, from our perspective. Uh, and I, it, you know, it takes time, commitment, resources, leadership like we've talked about, um, and a lot of other things, but um, it's possible. And we're inspired by what we see in the in this space, and many of the systems and colleges are represented in this room.
1: And thank you, Noah, for um, recognizing our support of the white paper. It was truly our pleasure. And I have to say, it was the idea of Michael Karen, who runs this program for Guardian, who's sitting here in the uh, front and you know has a real passion for community college business partnerships. Um, and we have a passion, which is um, why we're so pleased to work with you on the white paper. Um, I think I mentioned earlier, we have partnerships with 12 maybe more community colleges, a few more in the works, and we found that each community college relationship we have is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. We approached it differently, and there were different standards and different needs, and we said, hey, what if we could write up what we've learned to help other colleges and other businesses um, go down this path, and that's, that's what we've done, and you've helped us to do in the white paper. And, you know, I think that what we can do even more is, as you said, be radically student focused. Um, I'm sure ev- that's the goal of everybody in this audience, but sometimes there are lots of things that get in the way. I mean, we learned a lot as a business about the education regulations, which are mentioned in yeah. the white paper that you know, we just didn't know anything about coming in. Um, and to be honest, I think that our employees who are engaged in helping to teach and mentor students Really, many of them were privileged to go to a four-year college with parental support at a fairly young age, and I don't think we understood some of the challenges our students are facing, but quite frankly, I think the most rewarding part for our employees was helping students overcome those challenges. So, you know, we have, we, as you all know, there are students who have all kinds of potential barriers, and one of the things that's been rewarding for us is to help those students remove those barriers. Sometimes a very small amount of time and a very small amount of money can make a huge difference in keeping a student in school. So that's one of the things that I think businesses maybe not understand coming in, but one where we and our employees and our philanthropic arms can make a huge difference. And, you know, we feel very privileged to have done that in certain circumstances.
3: Yeah, well, you mentioned small financial barriers. Absolutely true. Yeah. I was uh, sharing a session this morning with some of our other corporate partners, and we were having a conversation about many things. But uh, some of them were based on student questions, Mm -hmm. uh, including, you know, students who experience car trouble Mm -hmm. or perhaps a flat tire, and they don't get to campus. They miss a class. And then it spirals. And the next thing you know, they're, they're not there the next week. And the next thing you know, they're MIA altogether. And you're talking about $250 or $300. And one of the exciting things in our sector, as I've traveled around, is how many of our institutions have found ways of creating uh, little lending banks, micro-lending, emergency cash. I mean, if you can invest in a student
0: Mm -hmm. uh,
3: and help them get their car repaired, that's pretty cool. And I also found out this morning that one of the community colleges across the the river from where I live, Northern Virginia Community College, they have an auto training facility, and students can actually go there and have their cars repaired for free. So, Andra, my wife, I just discovered a way we could save a lot of money <laughs> on car repairs. But so, I was very excited yeah. about that. It is an important uh, point
0: that you're raising. Uh, one of the things that we're really interested in and, and have supported funding for, we call it emergency financial aid, but it's mm-hmm. the, the same concept. Um, and what's interesting is it's a great innovation, and for small amounts, you can you can like have dramatic impact on student retention and completion. I think what's also interesting is that it does take systems and data and other things, because you before you can intervene, you have to know that the student is struggling. You have to know that they didn't show up in class and it has to come to the attention of the decision makers. So it, it, it is a great innovation that does require a system intervention at the institutional level to make it its most effective. But it's, it's, a, it's an exciting thing.
2: I just want to take a second to remind you that registration is now open for the National Legislative Summit. The summit will take place in Washington, D.C. from February 10th through the 13th and is a great opportunity to advocate for your institution and hear from members of U.S. Congress, leading political analysts, and other high-profile speakers about the current climate in DC, recent elections, and legislative issues impacting community colleges. Head over to nls.acct.org to register.
3: Trustees should avail themselves sometimes of getting out of the (laughs) boardroom and walking across the campus (laughs) and actually observing, talking to, and meeting. Who are these students? And what are their unique challenges? Because you can't make good policy, right? You can't run a billion dollar plus organization without knowing your customer and what their needs are. And I, I would say community colleges are just the same.
1: I can tell you a funny story about that. <laughs> so Noah, it's interesting that you say that I can tell a funny story. I don't think we can keep it secret with 1,800 <laughs> people in the room. but. I was on a, a presidential advisory council on financial capability for young people and it evolved into, okay, well we can't really teach young people financial literacy unless they have money. Right? What good does it do and they need jobs? So it sort of evolved into, you know, how do we help how do we help students? get jobs, how do we help students keep jobs, and then let's teach them financial literacy. So there were some very august members of the president's cabinet and of um, business and um, academia and, you know, NGOs and not-for-profits, and I said, I think, and we were meeting and coming up with ideas, and I said, I think what we need is we need to hear from some students which was a revolutionary idea, I guess. <laughs> but we brought two of our community college interns to the President's Advisory Council meetings, and uh, they actually were able to contribute their experiences, which I think really made our outcome more real. And they were actually credited. They, they got credit, author credit in the President's Advisory Council report, which they loved. And it was a really great experience, but I don't think it had been done before, and you know, I think they were probably a little nervous coming to Washington to meet with those people, but they did, they did a great job.
3: Now there's a radical concept. <laughs> 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 Who are your constituents, right? Successful companies invest lots of money in analytics and everything. I mean, I don't even want to think about how I'm being stalked by <laughs> software companies that will remain <laughs> nameless and others. But that's the way business succeeds, by knowing its customer, and and we're certainly no different. Let me uh, pivot a little bit here uh, and get your thoughts about uh, how you think community colleges uh, might work together with you and other employers on this question of not only upskilling current uh, employees, right? because the workplace changes, so you can't Remain stationary right i 've become a dinosaur right i 've had one career and only worked in three three places right but that 's not true anymore and 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 help them really prepare uh, for work of the future. How do we deal with the upskilling of, of current employees well I
0: think uh, I mean we've touched on many of the points uh, there in our view, you have to start with the customer and the student, and you have to say, what would it take for you to be successful if the goal were this, what would it take to get you from where you are to there? And then you you truly have to then design for that and have a vision of what that would look like and what the student experience is, understand the finances, and then you have to say, "What, what would it take for the institution to be able to meet that need. And I think there's a threshold question of, and can we meet that need? I think it, it's a question that you, know, you don't hear often. It's like, well, let's just do it. But the question does have to be, can we have a viable enterprise, meet the students' needs, and meet the needs of the community? And you then see then the types of partnerships that we talked about, the partnerships with business, the opportunity we discussed that many in the private sector are saying, wow, we have an urgent need. We have to credential our own employees and we're gonna invest and support and engage and pay for platforms that allow us to do that in the most efficient way. We wanna partner with the community college partners, but if not, we're gonna go this direction. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity there uh, that, that is, um, you know, that's important and that we see has great, great potential.
1: But we have actually gone to our community college partners in some cases asking them to come into our facility for help. Um, One unusual case is in in a couple of situations, in a couple of our locations, we had some employees who were going to be displaced by technology, and we said, can you come help retrain these employees for jobs either inside or outside Guardian, but in many cases, it was outside, and we had really good success talking to the community colleges. They said to us, okay, here are the other employers in the community who would like to employ your people and here are training programs we've designed for them. And we said, okay, for these employees they can, if you could help them figure out what the best credentials or what the best training is, we'll pay, even though they won't be on our payroll any longer and they're getting severance benefits, we're also gonna pay For them to go through one of your programs or up to an associate's degree, and we'll help encourage them um, to do that. And we had uh, great success in that. So in this case, you know, the favor went the other way. We said, help us figure out how to help these employees go back into the community and be successful. And our partners were very helpful in that. That's great.
3: Wow. (laughs) What a great concept.
1: We call it train in and train out. We train on the way in, but if we need to, to make people successful, if they have to leave us, which we don't like to be in that situation, but occasionally we are, then we train them on the way out.
3: Okay. That's a I had I, not been familiar with companies <laughs> that were doing that. We tend to think of companies as wanting to invest in their current workforce in order to retain them, not so much about helping people succeed generally in their life pursuits so
1: well we were talking about this at um, our table at lunch before I came up here that the reason we and many companies I believe engage in these um, relationships with community colleges is we want to be a bigger part of the community and we want to be a productive part of the community and a, a part of the community that you know people are People are glad to have us, so in order to do that, we think about, you know, kind of the whole relationship, not just what can we take from employees and what can we take from colleges, but what can we give back.
3: Ah, wow, that's really exciting. A polar <laughs> like that. I'll have to send you my resume. Um,
1: we, we have a few training programs you might be able yeah, to. Yeah,
3: well, I'm not sure my wife would say how trainable I am at this point, but.
1: Oh, no, I meant you could train us. Oh, I could
3: train you. Oh, okay, I'm not, I'm not sure. I think that, that might be uh, something beyond my capability. But we're uh, getting close to the end, but I wanted to, um, maybe finish up with a more general question uh, for the two of you. And this is uh, something that is vexing us in higher education. There have been a number of public opinion studies and surveys recently on how people view the value of higher education. And I know that uh, we in the higher education world of Washington DC, we looked at some of these data recently and we're noticing there's a trending down, particularly for college and university four year in terms of how people view them as being important. Now the good news is community colleges are still doing better than they, but even recently now our trend is starting to go down, which is disturbing. So I was just curious as to your thoughts about responding to critics who may be now questioning the value of higher education or particularly community colleges or those that might assert you know college is not for everybody yeah i think it's uh,
0: (laughs) a question we talk about a lot uh, with our partners we've done a lot of research on it uh, similar to what you read in the news and you know, you kind of have to unpack the question. There's part of the question where you kind of have to say, all right, do you have kids and do you believe college is right for your kids? And if the answer is, no, I'm gonna tell my kids that they shouldn't get any education and should just graduate from high school, then I'm just like, oh, let's let's talk about that. But yeah. But mostly, you kind of have to then ask, are we talking about four-year colleges? Are we talking about education beyond high school? And I think it's just, it's irrefutable that most jobs will require some education. It doesn't have to be a four-year degree. It doesn't necessarily have to be a two-year degree. It has to be some meaningful credential that attaches to the labor market. And most people agree. Um, Our recent study and uh, analysis of this shows that nine out of 10 Americans do believe that students graduating from high school should have some education beyond high school. And it's clearly vital vital for the economy and it's vital for social and economic mobility. I do think the core question is, is it worth it? And that's what we have to be able to respond to in education, that it's affordable, there are clear paths to get a degree or a credential and connect to the labor market. And that you can see success in that and you can do it in the most straightforward way and, um, and it will lead to social and economic mobility for those who are going for that, which is the majority of students who enter and colleges today. So I think we do have to respond to that question. And, um, What's true is there will always be job needs and the employer market will respond either way. They will respond in partnership with the education system or they will do something disruptive. And I would choose, let's figure out how to answer this question together to say it's worth it. And let's show you how and truly live up to that, uh, that worth and that value and what it means for higher ed and, and community colleges included to be responsive to it.
1: And I I agree with Alan. I think it's become fashionable in some circles to say, well, you know, in this world, you don't necessarily need to go to college anymore. And that's kind of a fashionable thing to say in some parts of Silicon Valley. And (laughs) I, I, I agree with Alan. You'd have to unpack that question and say, well, what are you doing for your own children? But in any case, there are also a number of stories in the media about students who go partway, don't receive a credential, don't receive a degree and then struggle. And those are heartbreaking stories. But the answer is not don't let those students go to college. The answer is put support in place so they can get to a degree or get to a credential and help them decide what's right for them. I mean, Alan mentioned that most jobs are going to require some education. A number that I've seen recently is 81% of jobs require either a, a credential or a degree, so I think we can't argue that people need credentials and degrees, but just because some students unfortunately are ill-advised, take on a lot of debt, can't finish their programs, and end up in, one could argue, a worse place, doesn't mean that we shouldn't help them get to a better place or, or a right place.
3: Well, I would say that we have a moral obligation mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, to do that, and I think I mean, if I reflect on my own career, you know, I I was privileged to go to a very good university. Um, Majored in liberal arts because my parents said, that's why you go to college. It's those days, it wasn't about getting a job. It was about getting an education and being a productive, effective citizen. But frankly, if it hadn't been for an internship that brought me to Washington DC, I wouldn't be sitting here today. So I guess the message is, We have to do more to help students understand all the things they need to do to be successful and never be uh, apologetic about doing those things and focus on this radical, radical student success equation. Uh, I want to thank you both uh, for joining us today. I had a lot of fun. I hope you did too. And I hope the audience enjoyed it. So thank you so much.
2: Thank you for listening to the fifth episode of Season 2 of In the Know with ACCT. Be sure to subscribe to be notified when we release a new episode. We wish you a Happy New Year, and we'll see you next week.